Welcome to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. It's Wednesday, long-form teaching. I'm Chris Danielson, my best friend and bride, Emily. She's out today. Hey, we're going to go to one of my sermons I preached on August 29th. That's right, last Sunday at Lifehouse Church, got into Romans chapter 1, and I found five things that the gospel is stamped with which means we do not have to be ashamed. Join me in the main worship center at Lifehouse Church for this message from Romans chapter 1. Thanks again for hanging out with us right here on the No Apology with the Bible Idiots podcast. Today's message is just a couple verses. It's uh, listed in your bulletins as Romans 1, 16, and 17, but I'm going to actually add verse 15 to it, and I'm going to read in Jesus' name. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, but also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children now. Lord, bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So in these two short verses, 16 and 17, we get an incredible summary written by man about the gospel. In these verses, Paul gives a clear declaration of the power and purpose from God in the gospel message. Paul's statement about the gospel began, it's kind of weird, it began in a strange fashion. First, he tells his readers in verse 15, did you notice that? He's like, hey, ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome. Then all of a sudden he turns and it just, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Why would anyone be ashamed of a message as powerful, as profound, and as needed as the gospel? But I would gather that many of us who call ourselves Christians have had those twinges, those moments where we don't really want to say the name of Jesus. We don't want to be marked as a Christian because there's been times when we get caught up in weakness. And we know that the Scriptures tell us, any of us who've been Christians for longer than 15 minutes, Jesus tells us straight up, you deny me in front of man, I'll deny you in front of the Father. Being not ashamed of the gospel is foundational to who we are. But I want to give you four quick things before we get started today as to why Paul might say that. Okay, I want you to understand the culture in which Paul lived in. And this, when you work this out, I think it'll help you understand uh, why he was not ashamed to preach the gospel and why that can be a motivation to us. And so let me give you four quick reasons uh, why some were ashamed of the gospel back then and why Paul specifically wasn't to get us started today. Number one, the moral conditions of the day. Nero was the emperor of Rome. He's wicked, degenerate. The city of Rome was a cesspool of sin and wicked living. That's a fact. The gospel Paul preached with its demands of repentance, moving on to holiness, moving on to godly living, this is dramatically opposed to everything Rome stood for and represented. Number two, the fact that Paul was a Jew. Jews were considered by many to be a subhuman race. They were despised back in the Roman world. They were to be enslaved. The gospel was a message that oriented in, rose out of a Jewish background. This would be hard enough for the Roman people. See, and even some Jews would be hesitant to share the message with non-Jews. Think of it. Many non-Jews would not have listened to a Jewish preacher preach about a Jewish savior. 
So there's that. Number three, the message Paul preached was incredible and nearly beyond belief. If you can transport yourself for just 10 minutes back to that culture in your mind and just try to walk a mile in it, think about this now. Paul is preaching as a male member of the despised Jewish race that there is another member of this despised Jewish race who claimed to be the Savior of man, who claimed to be the Son of God, claimed to be God at the same time his death was surrounded in shame because he died on a Roman cross, the very symbol of shame. And yet in dying that shameful death, Jesus claimed to have died for lost sinners, including Gentiles. And if that wasn't enough, Paul preached that this crucified Jesus then had victory over death by rising from the dead on the third day. To many, 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 many people, the claims of the gospel were just too bizarre to believe in that culture. See, the, do- the gospel is a difficult message for a lost, prideful world to accept. We can see that now in our day when you compare and contrast what Paul was dealing with. Now, I've showed you these verses before, but to get us started today, I want to show them to you. Let's review 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18, and then 22 through 25. It says this. It says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. Verse 22, As for the Jews, as for signs, and the Greeks seeks wisdom, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. And things haven't changed much in 2,000 years. Another reason Paul could say he wasn't ashamed of the gospel is my fourth point before we actually get into the message today. You guys are looking at your notes like, these are not those. Those are other points coming, okay? Sorry. (laughs) This is what happens when I get too much time to prepare. Everywhere Paul went preaching the cross, he was ridiculed, cast out, imprisoned, and treated cruelly. And so when he's writing to the Romans, he's like, look, I ain't ashamed. You want something? You want to bring it? Bring it. He was imprisoned in Philippi in Acts 16. He was chased out of Thessalonica in Acts 17, smuggled out of Berea in the same chapter of Acts, mocked in Athens in Acts 17. He was called a fool in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He was stoned in Galicia in Acts 14. Yet Paul remained eager to preach the gospel in Rome, the seat of the contemporary political power and the pagan religion. Many would not have been able to endure this kind of shame. Paul had already had it. He'd already been hit with it. And he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So with these things in mind, I want you to see why, from Paul's example to us in 2021, it is a clear call to commitment. Commitment to what? To your covenant partnership at Lifehouse Church? No. Commitment to America and the Constitution? No. It's a commitment to the gospel message which saves souls from hell. And he would want people to know that they were hearing from a man who believed the message and was willing to pay the price for it. So if you're paying that price, you're never ashamed. 
So what about the gospel invigorated the apostle and kept driving him around the world preaching a message while he's being hated? What about the gospel is going to infuse our lives in 2021 where we're going to stand firm with the full armor of God, where we're going to have all of those things that are appropriate, even though the world will look at them as not appropriate? When you're walking humbly, being called arrogant, all those things. When you're totally misunderstood, when people want to just bring up arguments. Well, what about the Gentiles before? You know, what about the. What are you talking about? Were you there? No. You live today in 2021, and the gospel message is the power to change your life. And if it has been changed by the gospel message, then now you are being called to share it. And you do so by saying to the world, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want you to see today that the message of Jesus and his salvation is a message we can share with anyone, everyone, without shame and without fear. So we're going to talk about some stamps. The gospel message is stamped with some stuff. First one, point number one, actually in your notes, is the gospel is stamped by sovereign power. The gospel is stamped by sovereign power. Paul tells us that the gospel is the power of God. The word power comes from a word that refers to might, energy, force, strength that dwell within God. Now, God could have revealed his power against sin in any way that he chose, He could have wiped men from the face of the earth. He could have done anything that he wanted because he is an all-powerful God. He could do anything. But it's a blessing to notice that when the Lord moved to do something about sin, he exercised his power in sending men to the gospel of grace. Nowhere is the power of God as visible as it is in the gospel of grace. Think about it. The gospel of Christ, when God takes a lost sinner and saves him by grace, he makes him a new creature, a new creation, a new creature. That's a powerful thing. God could have sent us all to eternity without him. He could have sent us all to hell. Instead, he chose to send us to love wrapped up in his son, the Lord Jesus. And how did he do that? He had it with Jesus loving us first. He first loved us. We didn't seek him. It's the gospel of Christ that Paul talks about. Now make no mistake, there are many different gospels being pushed in our day. And all you got to do is open your your app to whatever social media platform, go to any news organization, go, go anywhere that you want as you're inundated with information, and you will see there are other gospels out there. Some masquerade as the light, some are just straight up lame. I'll give you an example, a couple of them. There's a gospel of religion that says you can turn over a new leaf. Let me help you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There's a gospel of materialism that says your worth is determined by what you have. Gain is the goal of life. There's a gospel of liberalism that says I'm okay, you're okay. God accepts us just like we are. We're all going to heaven. That's the premise of Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. His hometown church is Grand Rapids. I was the morning show in Grand Rapids. I called him a heretic on the air. We were fired. (laughs) You think that anything that's going on in this town is going to hurt us? Emily and I know what it's like to have our pictures on the front page of the paper. Christian couple fired. (laughs) Emily still calls it the best day of her life. (laughs) 
Because we were not ashamed to stand on the gospel of truth. And I don't care if you have a church of 10,000 members called Mars Hill. Rob, recant the book. It's heresy. There's a gospel of society that says, do as you please for life is short. Paul's message, on the other hand, says this, you are a sinner. And if you die in your sins, you will go to hell. However, God loves you and sent his son, the Lord Jesus, into the world. Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. And if you place your faith in him, you can and will have eternal life. You'll be eternally saved. I call it that transfer of trust. The gospel message is simple. And it's so simple that we, we have a tendency to not want to talk about it plainly. Let me give you an example. What I just told you, I'm not supposed to say. I'm always supposed to say, you and I are sinners. You and I will go to hell if we don't repent. God loves you and I. Because it's wrong in our culture for me to say, you are this and you are that. I just let the Bible do it. And you guys know me well enough, if you know me for any length of time, I'm right alongside you shoulder to shoulder. Ain't nothing special. I've just been called by God to do this. And I thank him and praise him that I get to share the gospel with you guys every Sunday. I can't wait most Sundays. But if we place our faith in him, he will save our soul. And let me just be blunt about it. He'll save you, your soul. The gospel of, message, uh, uh, the gospel of Christ is a simple message. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. It's pretty straightforward. It says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. See, you receive it, it's you and me. But then sometimes when you talk, you got to talk to you. Just like sometimes when you got to talk to me, you got to talk to me. Get what I'm saying? Am I going past you here? Look, when we love Jesus Christ, we first receive it, then we can't stop but share it with other people. If you don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the Bible says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And most of it comes down to being ashamed. For some reason, you don't want the hassle that comes with being a Jesus freak or being called the Christian or being called whatever, whatever happens in, in your world. Back to the scriptures. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It's just laying it out there. Let's go to Romans 4, 25. Fewer words. Just here it is. Who was delivered over for our offenses was raised again for our justification. Paul knew firsthand about the gospel. His life was changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, never to be the same again. Every life that is redeemed by the gospel of grace is a life that is forever changed. It is a life that becomes a thing of praise and glory to Almighty God. And it is a life that has a new description and a new destiny. Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, especially for some of you. I've met a few of you for the first time today. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Chris, don't you say we pursue righteousness? Yeah but it's different. It's not bad people becoming good. It's dead people becoming alive. And once you're alive, you kind of pursue righteousness in spite of yourself. And as you're pursuing righteousness, you realize, man, am I a moron. 
I stumble and fall. And that's why the Bible says daily in keeping with repentance. And this good work starts to grow in you. In John 15, you stay grafted in the vine. You start producing fruit. It's like, well, I didn't, that, that fruit can come from my, my skill set. I'm, I'm a loser. So you give God glory because you know he's the one who produced the fruit through you in spite of your weaknesses. That's the beauty of walking with Jesus. You get to see God do stuff every day that you yourself don't have the skill set to do. The primary message of the gospel, the purpose of it, everything about it, is to reach the lost with salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love being saved. I love being in the Lord's hand. I am grateful to Jesus that he gave me salvation, and I don't have to worry about it. It's an awesome thing. And if you are in Jesus, you're secure in Jesus as long as you live. Eternal life for you has already started. John 10, 28 says this, I gave them eternal life and they will never perish. No one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. So the gospel is stamped by sovereign power and the gospel is stamped by singular purpose. Singular purpose is point number two. And I was in such mode, I forgot to tell you that before I just did all that. So now we're on to point number three. <laughs> Aren't you glad I don't give a crap? <laughs> I just don't give a hoot. Uh, it, I, I just love sharing the gospel with you that I'll take the hit for, for stepping on myself. All right, number three. The gospel is stamped by a simple plan. It's stamped by a simple plan. Uh, Brett running the slides, man, getting that verse in there above that other one. That was awesome, man. Appreciate you. It's a simple plan. That's what it's stand by. Verse 16 tells us in no uncertain terms exactly how this gospel message of salvation is activated. Notice that it says, to everyone that believes. To everyone that believes. That means that even guys like me, we have access. You ever been around a lot of well-to-do people and they have access to things you don't? Sometimes that's what it feels like when you think about righteousness. And, ah, that's, for the, that's for church people. That's for these people. No, every one of us that believes has salvation activated in Jesus Christ. It's a simple plan. This makes it perfectly clear that biblical salvation does not involve complicated religious rituals, elaborate religious exercises. Salvation is the product of faith and faith alone. For those of you taking notes, write down Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and Titus 2 and 5. This is the point where many people stumble, right here. People like to do things for themselves, especially guys, Most, especially hardworking guys. People like to do it for themselves. They feel like they have to have a part of everything that's in their life. And sometimes you see it where people want to have their life in Christ and then add Jesus to it. You heard me right. They want to have their life in Christ doing their thing and then add Jesus to it. That doesn't work. The matter of salvation, you can have no life in Christ that you've conjured up on your own. It is always Jesus and Jesus alone. You don't even get a chance to add anything to it. Salvation comes to the person who is willingly, simply, willing to receive the message of Christ by faith. 
That's it. Well, can't I do a few good works and have a little bit added to my salvation? Can't I make my salvation like an A++? Do you remember those really annoying kids in school? How can I get extra credit, teacher, and I'm just trying to get a D to pass? <laughs> we look at Christianity that way sometimes. And it's great when we want to work out our faith, when we want to do good things, when we want to be with people because Jesus is living in us, but it doesn't add a thing to your salvation. The Lord kept his gospel inexpensive and easy to understand. And if you believe the gospel, that's it. You don't have to add anything else. Point number four, the gospel is stamped by a solemn pledge. It's a solemn pledge. This great saving gospel is for every person in the world. No one is beyond the reach of the gospel of grace. You know, notice the, uh, the, verses, uh, the words in verse uh, Revelation 22, 17. It says this, it says, Both the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. Freely. John 6, 37 says, Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. The King of Kings has said, if you come to him and you surrender your life to him and you transfer that trust and you say, Jesus, by faith, I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to redeem me, give me salvation. He'll never cast any of you out, regardless of what your past is. The pledge of the gospel is that anyone who hears the message and sees their need of salvation comes to Jesus by faith will be saved by God's precious grace. Many have labored over the term first to the Jew and also to the Greek, but that shouldn't bother us. God didn't give the gospel to the Jews first in reference to priority. He gave it to the gospel of the Jews in reference to time. He'd been dealing with the Jewish people for thousands of years. He had chose them to send his Messiah to all of us. And he offers all of us, no matter what our nationality is, salvation. Whosoever will. That doesn't mean whosoever will with the right education or whosoever will with the right family background or whosoever will where, you know, with the right national heritage. No, it's whosoever. I'm a whosoever. I'm looking at a lot of y'all. A lot of y'all are whosoever's. And we have an opportunity to not only have received the gospel, but now to share this message without shame, without reservation. When you receive the gospel message and become a believer at no expense to you, with the eternal rewards that are offered to you through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, isn't that a message worth sharing with others? Can't you, when you see how wonderful this salvation is, even your worst enemy, the person that dislikes you the most on this planet, don't you want them to see it too? And when you've been forgiven all of these things, when people hurt you or when they say things about you, or Paul, when he's getting beat and imprisoned falsely and rocks thrown at him, he forgives. He forgives because he's not ashamed of the gospel. 10th Avenue North, 
wrote a song called Feels Like Losing. And when you're offering forgiveness to those who are hurting you, it feels like you're losing until you look at it through the lens of the gospel, the true gospel that we are not ashamed of because it is what is giving us life. See, the gospel is clear. John 8, 24 says this. It says, Therefore I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's the pledge of the gospel for every person everywhere. Thank God that it is so. If there had been any restrictions on salvation, then I'm pretty sure I would have gotten left out. Not all of you, but a lot of, most of you, you'd have been the same. But I'm glad that it's free by faith and absolutely foolproof and has nothing to do with my abilities. Let's go to the last point, bring it home today. The, number five, the gospel is stamped by a satisfying payoff. The product of the gospel in the life of the believer is righteousness. Now, we have two great problems as human beings. Number one, we think that we have some sort of righteousness we can conjure up on our own and therefore find a way to be acceptable to the Lord. And number two, we're absolutely wrong about number one. We're not righteous. We cannot produce righteous by self-will or our own works. When faith is placed in the gospel message and Jesus is believed on with the heart, God takes the sinner and declares him to be righteous. What man cannot do by effort, God does by his power. This and this alone should make us just absolutely off the chain excited about sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone, and not only that, but living it out. See, we have a creator God who we're going to stand in front of. And I believe that. And most people believe that, that are here today. And that's why we have this movement in our world to try to debate whether God is real or not. It's, it's really obvious. There's a thing called natural revelation, where God has revealed himself in nature to the point where you almost got to stick your head in the sand. There is so much factual smackdown coming to Abilene, Kansas on September 25th and 26th when Russ Miller's here, that it's just matter of fact. And one of Russ's claims is that the Bible is true word for word, cover to cover, and we all have the same evidence, it's just what lens do you look through the evidence with. So here's the deal. The satisfying payoff of the gospel is that we're going to stand before God on Judgment Day, our Creator God. And most of us have recognized our sin, and we want to try to do something about it, and we can't. So we have Jesus do everything that he does for us by simple faith. We ask him, and then you know what happens? Here's what happens. On judgment day, you're standing before God, you're guilty, you're going to hell, you're going to be separated from God, and Jesus, because of what he's done for you, he presents you to the living creator, holy God, as if you're perfect and never sinned. By doing nothing but accepting him and his work on the cross. And then he starts that good work in you that is evidence of your salvation. You get it? 
Many times we want to try to work it out and have that evidence of our salvation, and then I'm with Jesus. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. So what does the phrase, as we bring it home today, faith from faith to faith means? In verse 17, it simply refers to the fact that the believer's life is to be one of faith in God. As a believer, life is lived in faith day by day. The righteousness of God is revealed in the believer's life. Ready? From beginning faith to ending faith. And this verse concludes, faith is to be the way a life of a child of God should be. It's easy to talk about living by faith. It's impossible to live by faith. Well, Chris, didn't you just tell us that we have to live by faith? Yeah. Because you need the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Father God, in you. And as he's in you, he's giving you that strength day by day to live out faith. The Bible says God will not be pleased with anybody unless they live by faith. By faith is how you please God. What does that mean? That means by taking his word, applying it to your heart, and just living it out every day with him. Are you trusting God? in the gospel of Christ for your salvation? Are you sharing the gospel like Paul did? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That same message is able to save now, able to save then, and it'll never change. I don't say so, Jesus says so. We need to see the gospel work in power is to believe it and share it. And I've told you this before, and I'll share it with you now. We don't always live out what we profess, but we will always live out what we believe. If you actually believe it, believe it, you will live it out. That's deeper than just professing. See, I find it still amazing that God would take the most important message the world has ever heard and place it in the hands of bumbling, stumbling sinners like us. But he did. And we're not sinners, we're redeemed sinners. And as redeemed people, he trusts us with this message. And we say, God, we don't know how to do this appropriately. And he says, trust me by faith. And he will lead us hour by hour, day by day. It's a journey. That's why when we see a brother or sister stumble, we have grace to pick them up. Because we want them to have grace for us when we stumble. Why? Because we're redeemed sinners who are trying to live out what God's called us to do. And I just find it just a stunning amazement that he gives us this gospel and then commands us to take it to all the world, knowing that no one is ever saved apart from the preaching of that gospel. And if we come up with creative ways to share the gospel and that's all we want to do with our life, what happens? We run into opposition. Sometimes from our own family, sometimes from our own community, sometimes for no reason whatsoever. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have grace, have love, and keep going, and just keep doing it. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says this, two scriptures and we're done. It says, for since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. It's amazing. Let's go to Romans 13 through 17. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, but not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Other places in Scripture, Paul says, if anybody shares with you anything other than what I'm telling you, tell them to step off. Put them outside your midst. That's how important the gospel comes to. And so we're going to share the gospel. That's what we're going to do. We're going to share the message. Who do you know in your life that needs to hear the gospel? How about you? Do you know Jesus? This altar is available for you. Come and pray after the service. If God's calling you, who cares if somebody sees you come and kneel at the altar and accept Jesus' grace over your life? I've been told from surveys from the 70s and 80s and 90s, the biggest problem that people had was other people seeing them go forward at a crusade or actually decide to make a decision for Christ. And I've always not very not cared much for the make a decision for Christ thing. There's too much salesman, I'm going to close the deal kind of thing. It's a simple transfer of trust. I'm a sinner, I need salvation, I can't do it on my own, can't add one ounce to it. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Jesus, the short, fat, handsome guy up there, <laughs> just told me, <laughs> just told me, that if I believed and called on you, you would save me and you would send nobody away. I'm going to trust that by faith. And if you're saved, then you're not ashamed of the gospel because you know it's the power. You know there's a desire within you to share it with those who do not know its power. There's no better time to get busy telling others than today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, in the midst of my mumbling, bumbling, and stumbling up here yet again, let your word go forward. And if there's someone here that needs to meet you for the first time, Lord, let them come to this altar and take advantage of that and not let one more hour pass. And if there's people here that need to look through and open their hearts more to your spirit, They've known you, but they've let their love grow cold. They've walked with you, and your long arm of patience and mercy is upon them. Fire them up today, because the time is short and the workers are few. Lord, we just ask that you would bless the folks that are here to take this gospel message creatively however we can, whatever opportunity we can. And that not our will be done, Lord, but yours. We love you and thank you and praise you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church, 
at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.